On today's podcast, I have a story that is serious. It's cold-blooded, kind of harsh, but I still think we can learn something from it. Welcome to my take. Well, it's not my take. It's Miguel Crespo's take. Whatever. For inspiration to go. Welcome to my take. Pastor Crespo here. My take is your oasis of inspiration and hope in the desert of negativity and despair. Thank you for being a part of the podcast. Thank you for your support. Thank you for uh, letting other people know. Thank you for liking, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast. Let people know that we're out there. I have a story for you today. And as if you're a fan, you know that I try to take interesting stories. I try to take stories that I can find something funny in it to laugh at, something to you know make make the make your time a little bit lighter and then launch into something in the bible a lesson a story or a principle this story is not i mean i don't think it's anything to laugh at it's it's not funny it's serious and and in the mountain climbing community i apparently this is a caused a great deal of discussion and consternation i guess if i can that's a, that's kind of a big word but a lot of people are upset about this but i think even in this story there is something that we can take out of it a bible principle a lesson that will be helpful to to you. Let me share this. This comes from the Telegraph, and actually, it's over. It's it's on many different news outlets. This is where I got it from. The title is this: Top Mountaineer defends walking past dying Sherpa in pursuit of K two record. So he, here's the story: A top mountaineer has been forced to defend herself after accusations that her team climbed over a dying Sherpa as they headed to the summit of the K2 mountains to secure a new world record. Images of climbers clambering past the injured Pakistani on a treacherous ridge on the same day that Norway's Christian Harilla ascended have been condemned by fellow mountaineers. Harilla, 37, climbed Pakistan's K2 on July 27, securing her 14th highest peak in just over three months to become the world's fastest climber to scale all peaks above 8,000 meters. During her ascent, Porter, Muhammad Hassan, fell off a sheer edge at the top of the area known as the bottleneck, some 8,200 meters high. Ms. Harilla said her team did everything they could to save Mr. Hassan, but conditions were too dangerous to move him. Now here is where the controversy has erupted. So her and her team are saying that they did everything they could to help him. But there were people that were there with uh, and took some drone footage, and it looks like it's not the case. Now, I do have uh, a portion of the video. Let me share that with you. Again, if you are listening to this podcast on Apple Music or Google or Amazon, I encourage you. There, Spotify is the place you want to go because there you'll see the, the podcast in its video version. And I sometimes put videos and pictures that it makes it difficult to describe. But here's a video of the, <clears throat> excuse me, this, here's a video that was taken, just a snippet of it. You see where it's circled? There's a Sherpa there, and he's in yellow laying on the ground next to a ridge there. And you see this long line of, of climbers in red, and the, the, the camera turned away just now. Long line of climbers in red as they were some going past, and... There was there was somebody there, I guess, helping him. But uh, basically, here's the deal: these climbers, 
climbed past this downed individual in order to ascend the summit and to be able to, you know, achieve their goal. Let me let me keep reading this article because, as I said, there were there were uh, there. Mr. Hassan fell. They said they did everything they could to help. However, two climbers. I'm going to continue here with the article who were also on K2 that day, claimed fellow mountaineers were more interested in setting records than saving lives in an apparent dig at, at this uh, gorilla. Wilhelm Steindl and Philip Flamig, and I'm sorry, I probably messed up their names, an, Aust- an Austrian climbing duo say that drone footage they recorded later showed that Harilla and her team had passed the ridge and, and they showed them climbing over his body instead of trying to rescue him. Now, again, this has created a firestorm. There are people, the people in the climbing community, there's just a lot of people have chimed in on this. They've had things to say. Their comments have even been kind of added to the article as the article has has grown a little bit. You know, uh, Mr. Steindl is quoted as saying, such a thing would be unthinkable in the Alps. He was treated like a second-class human being. And, and he continues, he says, if he had been a Westerner, he would have been rescued immediately. No one felt responsible for him. Now, Miss Harilla, she defends her actions. She's saying that her team did everything that they could to save him. And she says this, it's simply not true to say that we did nothing to help him. We tried to lift him back up for an hour and a half, and my cameraman stayed on for another hour to look after him. At no point was he left alone. So here's the thing. I want to ask you a question. And I'm actually going to put this on the podcast as a as a poll. So you'll see it on there. Uh, click click on the on the on the screen, depending on how big your phone is or where you're watching this. You'll see a poll question that I asked there. The question is this. <clears throat> what would you have done? What would you have done if you're trying to achieve this goal of climbing this mountain, getting to the summit? And as you are this close to achieving your goal, I'm, I'm holding my fingers out like uh, just a couple of inches apart. As you are this close to achieving your goal, now you find somebody who's down. They've fallen down up in the high altitudes where the oxygen is uh, not as rich, where it's very, very cold. You, 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 you get dizzy. You get weak. You fall. You get hurt. You're going to die unless you get help. Would you have stopped your ascent up K2 and taken all of your resources to try and get him back down? Or would you have left a couple of people there with him and you kept going to try and achieve your goal? What would you have done? You know, according to the article here, they, they, they're saying that they were trying to help him. That one video is pretty uh painful when you think that that man is dying and the ones that were performed they just they they're continuing on rather than being somehow tried to cluster around him and help him down they just kept going that seems pretty cold-blooded and and i'm not making a pun here because they were climbing k2 i'm saying that's cold-blooded but she says here she says uh they also she also denied that Mr. Hassan would have been treated differently if he were a Western climber. In other words, if he was an American, if he was a Westerner, we would have left him there too. No, I'm sorry. That's mean. I shouldn't have said that. Um, 
What would you have done? Do, do you think that in this pursuit of this record, I mean, uh, she she obviously, you know, uh, was able to be recorded as having climbed the fastest here. What's what's that record again? Let me find it here. Um, let's see. She became the world's fastest climber to scale all peaks above 8,000 meters. And uh, at least in this article, it doesn't mention the fastest woman climber. So in other words, just just in general, she she has... In three months, become the world's fastest climber. She scaled all peaks in three months above 8,000 meters. That is a pretty impressive uh, feat. You know, we can we can say, you know, congratulations on that. But what do you think? Do you think that they should have stopped everything that they were doing and just immediately gone into rescue mode? Or do you think that it was right to say, well, look, you know, we're, we, we, we're here on a mission. We got things to do. I got, I, I can, look, you stay behind. You see what you, you can do to help them. I have a goal. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get this record. I'm not going back down until I get all the way back up. Do you know how hard it is to climb these mountains to get, to get, to be reaching, getting near the top and then have to go all the way back down? No, 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 no. I'm not doing that. You help him. Do you think he, she was wrong? And, and I need to be careful. I'm not blaming her. She is the 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 lightning rod in the story, so to speak. I'm just making a general question. If you were climbing a mountain to try and achieve a goal, and this happened, what would you have done? A man died, and no one really helped him, although we don't know even if they had tried whether they could have saved his life. You know, this reminds me of, of, a, of a personal story. Let me share this story with you. This goes back some years ago. I had purchased a washer and dryer from Sears back in the day. And back in the day, what they would do is they would take these machines that you purchased, you know, and they would bring them to the back of their building, and it's kind of the warehouse section, and you pick them up, you put them in your vehicle, and you take off. And they got this machine there. When, when you walk into that back room by the warehouse, it's like a computer. You can punch in your ticket number, and it'll tell you how, about how much time it's going to take for them to actually bring that equipment to the door for you to take it. So, so you get an idea of what's happening, whether they're, they're picking it, they're transporting it. You know, you're five minutes away from getting your item or 10 or what's, what have you. So I walked in there, and I knew how to use the machine and did my thing, and I'm waiting. But then an elderly man came in. And when I mean elderly, this man was hunched over in his back. He was not walking, but kind of like little shuffling, you know. He walks up to the machine, and he doesn't know what to do. Now, there are several of us there, and he is trying to punch the, the, the buttons on the machine, trying to figure it out. It, it's, it was too complicated for him. And he's got, I see him with the card in his hand. I see him trying to figure it out. You can tell he's struggling. And he finally just says, can anybody help me? Can anybody help me? Because he wanted to, to just get information. But you know what? To my shame, I, I, I was so busy and I was so intent on, I needed to get my washer and dryer so I can get out of there that I did not offer to help this elderly gentleman. Uh, I'm ashamed to say that, but I'm just telling you. He had a simple need, but I was too busy. I was too focused on what I needed to do to, to help him. Well, sure enough, there was someone there who was a better man than me. He, he walked over and he said, sir, let me, he took his card and he punched it in and he helped him and, and he took care of him. But I, I, well, it happened years and years ago. I still remember it to this day where I failed 
because I was so focused on trying to help myself. I was so focused on getting my stupid washer and dryer that this guy needed help. It was something simple, yet I would not take a moment out of my time to help him. Shameful. You know, there's a story in the Bible. Jesus tells a story in the Bible. And this story is, uh, you know, we often refer to it as the story of the, the Good Samaritan. Now this, you know, if you have a Bible, I would encourage you to read this. It's a good story. It's actually a deep story. There's a lot of stuff going on there. Luke chapter 10, and I think I'm, and I'm actually getting, looking it up right now. Luke chapter 10, verse 30. The, the, Jesus told a story to the people he was talking to. And I, I'm going to summarize the story for you, but you got to read it. It is deep. There is a lot there to unpack. But he says this. He says, there was a, there was a man who was traveling. And he fell amongst thieves, that they beat him up, they, 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 they bushwhacked him, they ambushed him as he was walking along the way, and they left him pretty much robbed and just about dead. But Jesus says, a priest walked by, and he saw the man, and guess what the priest did? He kept walking. He didn't stop. Then he said, after that, a Levite came by. Now, if you're not familiar with the Scriptures, the priest would be, you know, a priest who would be practicing in the in the temple of the Jews there. Uh, he he was a priest, right? But the Levite was, the priests came from the tribe of the Levites. So here's a priest, the first one. The second one is a Levite. He walks by. He sees the man who's down. And guess what that Levite does? The Levite keeps going. He doesn't stop. Thirdly, another man walks by, and the man was a Samaritan, a man who, in the story, a Samaritan was kind of like a—I don't want to—he was mixed of mixed race. He was partially Jewish and partially uh, Gentile, and so they weren't very well liked by the Jews because of their lineage. But anyways, Jesus says a priest walks by, does nothing. Levi walks by, does nothing. Finally, a Samaritan walks by. He sees this man in this— utter state of need, dead, almost a death's door. The Samaritan does not keep going. The Samaritan stops. The Samaritan helps him. He helps bind up his wounds. He helps take him, he helps take him to a, uh, an inn and actually even pays for the man to stay there while he recovers. Now, this whole thing was a story. Jesus told this story. We refer to it as the story of the Good Samaritan. But you got to understand that the purpose that Jesus told the story. Why did Jesus tell the story? Jesus told the story in response to a question. The question was this, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? A man came to Jesus and had a question. What do I need to do to be to live forever? What do I need to do to have eternal life? What basically, what do I need to do to be one with God? I want to see God face to face. I want to spend eternity with him. What do I need to do to do that? And Jesus said this, you've got to learn how to love your neighbor. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. And he told the story that these guys, the priests, the Levite, these were leaders in Israel. They should have been setting an example. They should highlight the best of their religion, the best of their God, and yet the best was, I'm too busy to help you. 
or they were afraid of getting robbed themselves, so they decided to keep going. The Samaritan, the lowly Samaritan, not well-liked, didn't have a whole lot of uh, a good reputation with the Jews. He was the one. He stopped, and he helped. There's a lot that you can unpack here, but what I want to share with you in the podcast here is this, is that the most godlike thing that you can do is to help your neighbor. If you want God to be pleased with you, find a way to help your neighbor. And yes, Jesus, Jesus answered in the question, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? You need to love your neighbor. I know it's not always easy. Some of us got some cantankerous neighbors, right? Sometimes you got people that, um, well, they make it difficult to love them. They can be pretty prickly. But understand this is what it what God calls for. This world is a better place when we love our neighbor. Love your neighbor. That's my take. And that is inspiration to go.